Welcome to the Getting to Clarity podcast, the place where busy women leaders discover how to create more success in their leadership journey with less sacrifice in their life. Here's your host, Debbie Peterson of Getting to Clarity. Hey, hello and welcome. I am Debbie Peterson of Getting to Clarity, and this is another episode of the Getting to Clarity podcast, where busy women leaders come to get tips, tools, and techniques to help them create more success in their leadership and life with less sacrifice. And I've got an awesome guest today, Alana Phillips. And let me tell you just a little bit about her before we get going. She is on a mission. So you've heard of a woman on a mission. She is on a mission to change the face of financial services. She has spearheaded the hiring, coaching, and development of the next generation of advisors through Lincoln's advisor training program. She has also worked as a consultant to advisor teams to leverage these new planners to increase productivity, the client experience, very important, might I say, and profitable growth. In 2017, she launched a program called Project Inspire to specifically inspire and educate young women about careers in financial services, which is so important. Women have a different energy that they approach things. So having more women in financial services is critical. I'm so glad you're doing that. And through this project, she is able to spend time mentoring college-aged ladies about their professional development and financial literacy and empower them to take control of their career trajectory, which I just absolutely love. So today she works with experienced advisors on the West Coast and helps them identify reasons it might be time to hmm, break up with their broker dealer. She takes them through a breakup process and connects them to resources to help them build successful, independent financial planning practices. She is a LinkedIn ninja. I can, I can vouch for that. I see her all over LinkedIn. And she is a lover of interesting people and an avid reader. So Alana, welcome. I am so happy to have you sharing your wisdom and guidance today on the podcast. Oh, Debbie, I'm happy to be here. It sounds like uh, a lot to live up to, though, with that introduction. So hopefully the, <laughs> the conversation will lend itself to good things for folks that are listening to take away. It absolutely will. And I'll tell you, you do live up to it. I see you all over LinkedIn. I know what you're about. And I am just so impressed and grateful for the work that you do. And we're going to get into that a little bit later as well. So I'm going to start where we always start. And I just want you to give some information about your background. What got you to where you are today? I think this is so interesting because I have no idea uh, how that journey sort of happens. And I think this is true for a lot of women that end up in positions of leadership or you know running something that you, you do sort of take a little jungle gym approach versus a ladder approach to get to the places that you are. I started working at Target. I was a cashier in high school, was the beginning of that, and worked up the ranks in Target to running our HR department when I was 18. Nobody knew how old I was. That was sort of a hilarious thing. They thought I was older than I was, and I turned 21 there, and it ruined all of my secrets of how old I was. Um, <laughs> but I learned a lot there, working with people and understanding the dynamics of you know coaching and developing people, hiring, recruiting, building culture all of those things. It was a really incredible environment to learn in, even though I would not recommend that anybody stays in retail for any length of time. It is pretty brutal. It is. My sister did retail and it wears you out. Yeah. Nice weekends, exactly. holidays. 
yeah, it is exhausting and uh, it can make you really frustrated with people if you do it for too long. But from there, I went and I worked for Starbucks. I ran a couple of stores for Starbucks. Also brutal. Oh my God, I could write a book about <laughs> the insanity that happens behind the scene at Starbucks for anybody that's a lover of that process. To make that happen is craziness. <laughs> oh my goodness, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, I still love Starbucks though. And I totally dumbed into financial services. I think there was a part of my mission in the world that started to align towards it. But I dumbed into meeting a woman at Lincoln when my mom was sick with cancer and I was trying to get out of managing people, which is sort of hilarious as we look at how that worked out. Um, but I wanted, I just wanted more time with her. It was driving in traffic to go see her and just trying to be available for things that were happening. And I was at that point of exhaustion, trying to run a store and be cheerful all day long while you serve people coffee and feel like, you know, the fact that your latte didn't get made at the right temperature is like, so first world problems compared to when you're <laughs> a family member is sick. Yeah. So uh, that was, um, you know, the, the breaking point there, but it led me to this. And I got into working in financial services, literally, you know, 2016, I think was when that was, I could not have told you the difference between a stock and a bond or uh, <laughs> what an annuity was. And they were talking about that in my interview. And I was like, I guess I'll, I'm sure I'll figure it out. Somebody will explain it to me at some point, but just kind of fell in love with the people that I was working with and getting to know how important it was to have somebody that shows you or your family or your business or whatever, how to make your money work, how to plan for the future. It's a really, really impactful work. And that resonated with me. So that's how I dumped into being here. <laughs> well, and it's interesting what you shared. And I loved what you shared. And I want to draw a fine point on this, that you didn't know a whole lot about financial services and it didn't preclude you from having a good job in financial services. So, you know, numbers can wig people out, right? And I think that people who could really have an impact in financial services, women who could have an impact in financial services, maybe steer away from it because it's like, eh, I'm not good at numbers or, you know, I don't understand the stock market or, you know, investing and things like it. But it, it's, it, can be, it can be learned. I mean, the skills that are transferable, building relationships, connecting with people like women tend to do. So I love that you put a point on that because I think that's very important. I think so too, Debbie. And I think that's, you know, part of what I have found now and I, I get it. I was there. Nobody mm -hmm. talked to me about these things when I was going to school or when I was working. And so I didn't know about them. And fortunately I did not Google financial services when I was dumbing into this opportunity. Cause if I had, I would have found some stuff I probably would not have liked. And I, I think that's part of the problem too. There's not great PR, if you will, for financial services. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. There's a little bit of work there to do, but yep. you and other fantastic people are doing the work around the industry to really shore it up and have it operating at the potential that, that it can be. So let me ask you success. What does success mean to you? So if we went to the dictionary and there was your picture, what would your definition be next to success? What does it mean to you? I really want to have like a, like the perfect answer to this, Debbie, that you're like, oh my God, <laughs> that's the best thing I've ever heard. But I think that um, this is sort of a fluid definition too, right? That has changed even just in maybe the past year when I think about coming out of pandemic life and 
I just bought a house. So that probably plays into some of that success of control and autonomy over what happens to me or to my family. I think about my personal brand a lot, probably more than the average person. And that shows up in my LinkedIn. Everything's intentional there. And and what I want people to think about when I leave, I guess, is what I think about success is, you know, I, I want to be seen as a trusted resource. I want to be able to control my time. I want to do good. I want to use my power to make change. And if I have those things, then that feels like it's a pretty successful place to be. Nice. And almost a legacy sort of attitude about what am I leaving behind? You know, doing good, being a trusted resource. And of course, having flexibility with time or, you know, more influence over your time is huge. (laughs) And I love that you said it was fluid as well, because depending on where you are in your life, what stage, you know, it's a different gig for someone who's got really small children, as opposed to someone like where I'm at, kids are out of the nest. We're into grandbabies now, and this is so much fun. So yeah, it does. It changes. So you're a busy gal. You're a very busy gal. I know that about you. And, you know, with everything that you have going on, what is it that you protect? So, you know, success and creating success, sometimes we lose sight of everything else and we end up making sacrifices that we don't intend. So what do you intentionally protect when it comes to the work that you do and how much you work? So I guess I'm thinking about that in two different ways, Debbie, and and hopefully this is the way that you're thinking about it. One of the things that has been really important to me, and it, it, I work with a lot of really incredible people, but again, when I say, if you've Googled financial services, there are a lot of things about our industry that are kind of crooked and there's things that are not transparent. There's a lot of people that say one thing and do another. I mean, we can go down the list of history of stories of this, just looking back at 2008 and 2009. I want to always protect the transparency around information or protect, uh, like I'm not willing to sacrifice telling somebody the truth over getting something done that we need to do to hit a metric or to follow a process. And I think that there have been a number of situations where somebody has asked me, Outside of financial services, too, it happened in HR. We have these numbers we need to hit from a business perspective or whatever. And I watched a lot of the the leaders in HR fudge numbers to get to those metrics. Or again, in financial services, when we're talking about sales and incentives, there are a lot of times where we put those things over people, over transparency, over integrity. And it's not even as simple as, as just being a person with integrity. It really is that I want to tell somebody the truth. And sometimes that is detrimental. Sometimes it's a tough conversation. Sometimes it's not easy to say. It's not easy to hear. But integrity around that truth with a capital T. So that's, that is terrific. I appreciate you sharing that. So, you know, I would imagine that along the way, as a woman in business and to get where you are, in a career, there have been some lessons that have been shared with you. What are, what are, what is the biggest or some of the biggest lessons that you have kind of picked up along the way Hmm. that have stuck with you? Yeah, I think there are a lot of those. 
you know, and I, I think back to, you know, kind of along the lines of what we were just talking about. I worked with a gentleman when I was at Target who was a, you know, workaround to try to hit those numbers kind of a person. Don't put people first kind of a person. And that was not the way I managed HR. And uh, he, we had a guy, I always remember this as an example of it. We had a guy who had to quit for personal reasons. And it was like Black Friday. It was like the busiest day of the year. He had to quit the day before he was a, a, a key team member. And the manager that I worked with at the time wanted to send his check because you pay people out in cash at Target when they resign. He wanted to send his check to an address that we know that this kid did not live at anymore. He was in, you know, a lot of personal stuff going on. He was in transition and he asked me to do that. And I refused. Absolutely not willing to do that. He was already on his way to the store to come and get paid out, even though he was leaving us in a bind. That was the right thing to do from all perspectives was to follow that process. And I I was so terrified Debbie, of the animosity that I faced from this manager who told me that I was being insubordinate and Mm. that this was a a complete disregard for the direction that he had given me as a superior. And I just remember like being in my HR office shaking, like I'm not going to do this though. Like this is absolutely not going to happen where I send this check to the, an address that this kid who's in, again, in transition in his life was having some major issues. I think not going to do it. So I think about that lesson of just like not compromising those things that you know are right and not getting intimidated, especially as a a lady in business. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was an older man. I was like, again, 18 or 19 at the time. And to not back down from those things that are important to you when you know something is wrong or it feels bad to speak up about those things and stick to your guns. So that's like, again, that's one of those things I think about in financial services. Again, we run into issues of this is a very male dominated industry. It is yes. easy to get bullied or steamrolled without even really meaning it. And not even for something maybe as obvious as that small things that you can compromise. So that's one. I probably have a few others. Well, you know, and it's interesting that you mentioned this particular situation and, and you also mentioned how you felt. So every week I've got a theme. I kind of go off on a theme and a topic. And this week it's about listening to your gut. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is that, you know, we feel it when our gut, you know, our intuition is trying to tell us something, we feel it. You felt it, you know, it just, it just doesn't feel right. And, and you just, you, you knew that at, at a, at a core level that this wasn't the right thing to do. And, and so, and that's scary too, to, to stand your ground and say, okay, you know, I'm not going there because this isn't right. And I know that in my corporate career, I have found myself in that place as well. Interestingly enough, the, the one that sticks out for me the most is advocating on behalf of another woman, mm-hmm. a, a woman. And it was a financial role that she was being overlooked mm-hmm. and she was absolutely the right candidate. And I was on the executive floor. And so I leveraged my position to say, hey, this isn't right. And there was a new CEO and we didn't always see eye to eye. And he came back at me and said, don't you ever. But I was still glad that I did because it was the right thing to do. The CEO was gone and she moved into the position that she should have been to begin with. But, you know, it can be a little scary on the front side of that, doing what you know is right. 
Completely. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm sure we could go down the list of those things where it's like, again, I go back to what success is like. I, I do feel like personally, I have a good sense of the, the amount of power and privilege that I have in the world. And so I feel an obligation to use those things for other people that maybe can't. And I've, I've called HR on behalf of other women. I have, you know, talked to bosses or advocated on behalf of them in those conversations too. And I think that's really critical. And and another lesson, I guess, that I've learned is to advocate for yourself, right? You have to ask for the things that you want. And that's really scary. It's equally as scary sometimes as when you know something is wrong to ask for the things that you know that you deserve or that you want to do. Yeah. Or what you need Mm -hmm. to be able to do your role appropriately. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I make the joke that keeping your head down and hoping that somebody will notice the work that you're doing. And say, you know, hey, you deserve a raise. That ship is sailed. That just yeah. doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. You know, and so if you're not willing to speak up and ask for what you need, whether that's a mentor or, you know, more time on a project or to be considered for a role or whatever the case may be, you know, nobody can speak up for you like you can. Yeah, but that's hard. And again, I know I work with mm. a lot of women as you do that, you know, most of us as women are not trained to do that, or it is discouraged for us to do that. And talking about yourself seems bad. It seems selfish or self-centered, or we're not quite sure how to talk about the great things that we know that we do. There's some self-doubts there or limiting beliefs, but yeah, if you can get really good at that um, Mm self-advocating, I think that is a critical piece and a lesson that I know that I've learned. I think probably one of the other things, Debbie, that I was just having a conversation with a woman about this yesterday who was getting in her head about somebody not trusting her and and feeling like that was the reason that they were behaving the way that they were. And I had a little more insight into the situation to know it had nothing to do with that, but just that people really are not thinking about us as frequently as we think they are. And we get in our heads about that. (laughs) And it is, you know, we are the the main character of our own world. And that's true for everybody. They really don't think about you as much as you think they do. <laughs> yeah. We just awfulize it. Yeah. And, and, and take it all on and think they, you know, must think the worst of us. And it's kind of like, oh, I hadn't thought about it at all since it happened. I had let it go. So, you know, yeah, you probably they, did they're the same not thing. thinking about you at all. Yeah. They're thinking about something that they did or said, and if you're thinking about it, so I think understanding that helps with uh, getting rid of some of those doubts or limiting beliefs too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I know, and I want to take just a, I want to pause here and have you share. So Alana has sponsored the episode today, and I want to give her an opportunity to share what it is that she would like to share about the work that she does and how it makes an impact in her life, but more than that, how it can make an impact in your life, the listener. So Alana, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah. Thank you, Debbie. I am Alana Phillips. So I am a recruiter with Lincoln Financial Network. So my day job is helping financial advisors to break up with their broker dealer. It's a fun way to put it because all of us have been through a breakup. They're no fun, but we also know that sometimes it's the right thing to do. And there's a lot of those signs that come up when we talk about trusting our gut and listening to our gut that we know when it's time to do that. So as we've also talked about, though, the financial services world is not a transparent place. There are a lot of hidden things. Women tend to stay put in their firms because they're not sure what else is out there, if it would be better, and they're given misinformation. So in the work that I do with financial professionals is helping them to really see that light. Let's 
shed light on what those options are. Let's talk about pros and cons of the decision. And ultimately, the women that do decide to make moves with the support of somebody helping them through that process get into positions where they own their business or they're making more money or they've got more control over how they work with their clients. They've got more options of how they serve them. And that is part of my personal mission, like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, to change the face of financial services. So if you are somebody in that position thinking that you should break up with your firm and aren't sure how to do it, I would just encourage you to reach out to me. I'm on LinkedIn, all over the place on LinkedIn. There's videos and resources there, as well as my contact information to send me a message. Absolutely. And we will have that information in the show notes. And so, you know, the two things I heard in that One, you don't have to figure it out all by yourself, you know, to have somebody who can help you explore options. And two, all it requires is permission on your part and a little curiosity to say, hey, what could be out there for me? So thank you so much for sharing that. And again, there'll be more in the the show notes. So I am curious as we kind of get to the end of our time together. You know, we have a personal life, we have a professional life, but yet we are one person. So if I had to ask you outside of work, what is the area of life that you think that you are strongest in Mm. and keeping it going and this, I love this question and Debbie, it's fun because you, I know how we met, you had spoken to my WIFS chapter, which is women in insurance and financial services. And you had us do this activity where we wrote down, you know, the six things that are important to us and then where we spend our most time. And the one that did align for me was I'm a very active person and I love to kickbox and run and do cycling. And that I feel like is the area I am the best at, even through the pandemic that my gym shut down. I went and bought a TRX and a Peloton and my uh, my workout and activity routine is probably the thing that I am strongest at. And I've had to prioritize. It's really easy for those things to get pushed to the wayside. But I Absolutely. also know I get kind of stir crazy if I don't get some of my energy out. And it is obviously important for our physical and mental health. So I that probably shouldn't be the top one. It should be family. But I know that that, that is the one that I'm the strongest in. Well, you know, and the thing is that, you know, you, if you aren't taking care of yourself, if you're not filling yourself up, then anything that you do for anyone else is depleting you. And so health and fitness is is a big one. And health and fitness is one that a lot of women struggle with, especially the busier that they are. So what are some of your best practices around that to make sure that you get it in that, you know, any tips or tricks around that? Yeah. I think the first thing is finding something that you enjoy doing. You know, there are a lot of different types of gyms and exercise and whatever. And I know I started with running. That was a thing that was really fun for me. And I like to run and you get that runner's high. Yeah. (laughs) And that's not the case for everyone. There's a lot of people that really hate running and I totally get it, but maybe you like kickboxing, right? Or maybe you really enjoy yoga, right? Something that's going to be lower impact. I think finding that thing that you really enjoy, that was another one for me was the kickboxing. I had started going to a dojo with a friend and I was like, this is fun. We get to hit things and we don't get in trouble for it. So that's one thing, (laughs) find something that you like to do. And the second piece is I think building the habit around it can be challenging, but there's a, a book called Atomic Habits. Oh, yes. 
Yes. You're familiar with it. I think it's mm-hmm. Dan Clear. Atomic Habits was one of those ones for me that was like, when you attach something to your identity. So if you think about yourself as an active person, or you think about yourself as a healthy person, you mm-hmm. behave that way, right? Versus if you think about yourself as a smoker, it's hard to quit smoking because that's yes. a part of your identity. Yeah. You've labeled yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Connecting yourself, your identity as an active person, or your identity as somebody who wants to be a hundred percent for the people in their life, right? It could be something like that, especially for a woman or a mother. And then probably the last thing is just, you've got to, you've got to start somewhere, right? So you don't have to jump into the 60 minute hot yoga, you know, start with 15 minutes or start with just doing a walk during the day. And as you build that habit, it becomes so much easier. It's weird for me now, if I don't have active time in my day, it seems odd. Okay. All right. Those are all great tips. So I'm hoping that listeners who want to get a little more proactive with their health and fitness, one, pick up the book, Atomic Habits, but two, implement some of these tips that Alana has shared. So Alana, how can our listeners find you? Well, I was just going to say, if they're on Peloton, you can find me on Peloton for sure. Alana Fun Phillips. We can do Peloton rides together. Uh, And then (laughs) I'm also on LinkedIn. So Alana Phillips on LinkedIn and I am on Instagram. Also my name, Alana Phillips. All right. And we'll have all of those in the show notes. So Alana, I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here with me and my listeners, my audience today. And for all of you listening, I hope that you enjoyed this episode, your time with Alana, and here's wishing you all the clarity that you deserve. Have a really great day and bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Getting to Clarity podcast with Debbie Peterson. If you enjoyed this show, please rate and recommend it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. To learn more about how you can create more success with less sacrifice in your leadership and life, visit gettingtoclaritypodcast.com.